At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, it's Chris Greer. Chris Greer from the Dolphins. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, we're on the clock right now, so... I said, hey, well, we enjoy getting to know you through the process and, uh, um, you know, love how you play on the field and how you carry yourself off the field and the type of person you are and player. And, uh, uh, we're excited here at Magic Island Dolphin, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> That was one of the most surprising moments of the night with the fifth overall pick. The Miami Dolphins gave Tua Tagovailoa a phone call and let him know he was the pick. Chris, Tua didn't sound all that enthused by the news, did he? He he, he really didn't. I mean, that's the first time I've heard that clip, but it was, uh, you know, very professional. It wasn't, yeah, not, not a lot of celebration going on there. And, you know, but maybe he was expecting it. I don't know. You know, obviously, again, what we've seen in a common theme with these NFL drafts, quarterbacks are a premium, even if there's question marks about them. Teams, if they have a spot to be filled at the quarterback position, man, they're going to do it. And you just wonder how many layers of Jedi mind trick were going on behind that Tua pick. There was so much talk about Tua falling out of the top 10. If the Dolphins were always all in with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, they didn't have to worry about anybody trading up to take him in front of them with all the talk about him falling out of the top 10. So advantage Dolphins. And then with this idea of Bill Belichick and his relationship with Nick Saban, and maybe Tonga Vailoa really is damaged goods, and now Bill Belichick has in his division a quarterback who is damaged goods potentially. Maybe there was a Jedi mind trick going on there to get Brian Flores to take Tua. Either way, it was an interesting moment, to say the least. One of the most compelling of the night as the NFL got through round one of the 2020 draft, the stay-at-home draft, the virtual draft. It was very different. I hope we never have to do it again because that would mean we would be in a situation like this where we all have to stay at home. But with that said, let's get to it. What you need to know is the big surprise to Atonga Vailoa, the fifth overall pick in the draft to the Miami Dolphins. After so much talk all day yesterday, Chris, about the possibility of the Dolphins trading up to number one to get Joe Burrow. I still believe owner Stephen Ross wanted to do it. I still believe that Tua Tonga-Vailoa was their fallback option, and I still am surprised that they used that fifth overall pick to get him because you could argue they could have traded down a few spots if they had a suitor to take Tua later. 
Well, no doubt about it. You know, I think maybe in the perfect world. Okay. Well, there's two two schools of thought here. You know, again, if you believe this is your guy and this is the guy you want, I'm never going to be mad at a team for taking the guy they want and have evaluated to be that pick uh, at the quarterback position, especially at number five. Now, yes, I agree with you. You know, they probably could have got him a few few uh, picks later, but they probably had to worry about the Los Angeles Chargers, obviously in the market for a quarterback there. And then also the other thing we saw in the top 10 last night is just, you know, who was there that teams wanted to trade up and get? That that was one thing we, you and I talked about the last few days. And that's why I didn't think there would be a lot of trades in the first round, just because I didn't know if there was those one or two or three marquee players that was going to create some trades uh, at the top of that draft. But regardless, risky pick with Tua, you know my thoughts on it. It's very risky, but they believe in it. And that's why we saw that Armand Sargaro report come out about his medical and the Dolphins have cleared him. They were trying to ease everybody into this, that this was going to be their pick. And, hey, our doctors did the work, and he's ready to go. And now everybody can feel warm and cozy that they got Tua as their quarterback. Yeah, you flagged that one yesterday. And then last week there were reports that they – well, remember, they renewed the report that they tried to rush Tua in for a visit. That was on ESPN a month after NFL Network had that report that they tried to get him in for a visit before the door was shut on any type of in-person connection like that. And, and again, with all the other stuff that was happening, I thought it was still part of the broader subtext of their effort to get Joe Burrow. And at the end of the day – we don't know what they offered, if anything, to go up and get Joe Burrow. But, Chris, I can tell you this. And, and look, hey, ultimately the Bengals got Joe Burrow, and we hope he's successful. I like the kid, and it would be good for Bengals fans to have something that they can rally around. They haven't had a playoff win since January of 1991. But I will say this. I think there was at least consideration to creative – ideas because this isn't something I thought of this is something I heard about yesterday for example can they give the Bengals cash as part of this effort to move up to number one we know how the Bengals are about cash can you buy that pick I was told by the NFL long-standing policy you can't even though for coaches like your guy John Gruden when he went from Oakland to Tampa they can do it for coaches you can't do it for draft picks moving up moving down trading players you can't use money and then it even got to the point where I caught wind of this idea that the Dolphins would take someone at five, pay his signing bonus, and trade him to the Bengals after paying the signing bonus and pay Joe Burrow's signing bonus once they get him from the Bengals. And again, this isn't something I came up with out of the blue. This is something I heard about, which tells me that these ideas were out there. These gears were spinning and ultimately and obviously – Whatever it was the Dolphins offered the Bengals, Chris, the Bengals didn't want. They stuck with Joe Burrow. But I still think the Bengals wanted him, and I think they were thinking of ways they could try to get him, and it just didn't work. Well, no, Mike, I, I, I don't think you're – I don't doubt you one bit. I mean, you know, we both know and have heard from enough people that Stephen Ross and the Dolphins were hot on Joe Burrow, and especially Stephen Ross. And understandably, I mean, again – you know, it, it, this is so much the slam dunk first pick of the draft we've ever seen that, like, we didn't really even talk about him leading up into the draft. It's unbelievable. And then you watch the highlights last night and you see the person and how he handles himself and then the edge in which he has and how motivated he is and professional. But, man, the highlights it's, itself, Mike, should tell you 
I mean, he's dodging seven guys and making 40-yard throws and dodging four guys and making 30-yard throws. It's one unbelievable play after another. So I understand the want to get Joe Burrow. But uh, I think Tua was always the second guy on their list after they thought they couldn't get Joe Burrow. That didn't work out. They got Tua. And hey, we'll see. The rest is going to be history here now with Tua. What do they do with him? Is he going to play this year? Is he going to sit the year and get healthy? I think these are all going to be interesting questions uh, surrounding Tua and the Dolphins going into the future here. And let me just say this, and I'm going to have more to say about this, more to write about this at PFT. It kind of got lost in the shuffle last night because we were focused on the picks. You saw that image there of Joe Burrow with his parents and no one else around. There were a lot of images last night that troubled me as it relates to the stay-at-home guidelines, the social distancing guidelines. There were a lot of agents who traveled from their homes to the homes of their clients in other states a lot of them did it. A lot of them. And you're violating stay-at-home orders. You're ignoring social distancing guidelines. And I'm stunned that so many did it. I'm stunned that so many made their way into the TV shots. And I'm stunned that the NFLPA hasn't said anything about it. And I hope the union does. Because the union regulates the agents. And at a time when I think the union is doing a very good job of sending the right messages and setting the right tone when it comes to the pandemic and how to handle the coronavirus and all of that, the idea that I don't know half of the agents last night representing the top 32 picks got on a plane and flew from presumably a state with a stay-at-home order to another state with a stay-at-home order to be in the house, to be in the shot, to be on TV with their client, that to me... That's the, that's the most overlooked development last night that is yet to fully be explained, discussed, and analyzed, in part because we've got 32 picks to analyze. But I just wanted to hit pause right there, Chris, and point that out because Burrow did it the right way. His agents weren't there. It was him and his parents. So many of these other shots, it sent a message that doesn't mesh with everything we've been told for the last five weeks. Yeah, well, no. I mean, Mike, I thought about you a number of times. You're right. We saw a lot of draft picks breaking the social distancing rules. We definitely did. Uh, and, you know, free agents as well. It's a tough decision. You know, again, you know, some of these draft picks, this is a, a life-defining moment. They got family over that's close to them. I mean, we didn't see big parties or gatherings or anything like that. But certainly yeah. – pushing the limits i know there was there, there a few were, that you there go were some, yes there were some there was a lot of people in the house a lot more than the six that the nfl told I, them could the, be present in the shot well this is why i'm hopeful that you know the, the you know i just don't think players care i don't you know again i told you what i thought if i was a 26 year nfl football player i'd be like screw COVID 19 let's play football and i don't I'm not saying that's right i'm just telling you that's the mentality of a young kid who loves football and it's part of the renegade football mentality. That's just the way most of us are wired. But regardless, I'm with you. It just sets a bad example. It's going to embolden people to maybe have a small draft party tonight while they're watching Friday night. Because they're going to go, look, there was 15 people in that house. There was 12 people in that house. Why can't I have a few buddies over and watch the draft tonight? And, and let me just say one last thing before we move on. I understand that there are players who are going to feel like they're invincible, they're immune, they're fine. There are plenty of NFL players and college players, for that matter, who are morbidly obese. It goes with the territory of being an offensive or defensive lineman. And let me tell you something. All it takes is one of those guys to die from this, and it's all getting shut down. 
until there's a vaccine, until testing is as easy as pressing a button. And that's that's one of the real concerns here. So uh, enough of that for now. But I, I wanted to at least plant a flag and say I was very troubled by what I saw last night because ultimately that's a product that the NFL is pulling out of these homes and piping into millions of other homes. And I wish that someone would have said, we're not going We're not showing that image. No, 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 no. Sorry. We know we got the camera in the house. We're not showing that image because we don't want to send that message to the rest of the world, Chris. And I think the NFL should have been willing to do that. Well, no, I hear you. I, I mean, you're right. And then hopefully they'll send out some notice to some of these people tonight. But, you know, let's, Let's save this topic for Monday when the draft no, well, is over, no, okay? But Let's get into the I, draft but, and the picks of the players but, but right now. But this is exactly why no one's going to talk about it today. This is why it's important for us to talk about it. We can't just okay. press pause on reality and say, oh, it, oh, they get an exception. No, they don't get an exception. We need to hold them accountable. By Monday, we move on. Today, it's worth saying. Now we can move on. All right. One of the reasons why the Dolphins may not have traded down to try to get to a Tonga Vailoa, who knows what the Chargers would have done at number six if both Tua and Justin Herbert were available. Tua wasn't. Justin was. Justin becomes the pick. And, you know, Chris, the first thing I thought of is, well, there surely is no way they're going to sign Cam Newton now. It's Tyrod Taylor in the same spot he was in two years ago in Cleveland holding the position until the rookie is ready. And it didn't take long for Baker Mayfield to supplant Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland in 2018. Now Justin Herbert ready to go whenever the Chargers decide to flip the switch from Tyrod Taylor to the rookie from Oregon. And, and the good well, news yeah. is he doesn't, have to, yeah. he doesn't have to go far from Oregon, right? No, He's he in doesn't. that Oregon bubble. He doesn't have to go all that far. Well, you, you see, you know, teams are aware of that. You know, yeah, they, this is a Pac-12 kid, right? Tua, you know, down in Miami. It's not far from the SEC country. How about C.D. Lamb to the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, yeah, Oklahoma's right down the road. So that's a very real aspect in drafting some of these players, knowing that there's a following in the region around these players that are going to bring what? You know, fans and people to your stadium because they're going to go, man, I saw this kid in college or I always wanted to watch him play in college. And now he's here on my pro team. But, you know, Herbert, I think the world of him, I really do. I think he's super talented, smart. You know, the things that I think people nitpick about him as a player, I think, are more to do with the Oregon offense, the team around him. Uh, but as far as athleticism, size, big time arm, hey, decision making's good. Was it perfect? No. But I think when he gets in the NFL and gets coached a little bit better uh, and has a more creative offense around him, man, this could be special. And the, and the big thing is, too, Mike, you know, man, you just think of the Chargers right now. This defense, they get Kenneth Murray, you know, down in the 20s, the linebacker from Oklahoma. And that's a Super Bowl defense we got right now in Los Angeles with those pass rushers, Derwin James, Chris Harris Jr., you know, in the offseason. I mean, this is a talented group. And we know they want to run the ball. Yes, they have Tyrod Taylor. But, you know, when you draft a guy at number six, he has a few good preseason games or so his training camp. This is going to be the starter. And if they want to run the ball and play defense and, and control the clock a little, Justin Herbert's going to be capable of doing that in year one. So, uh, you know, I would not be shocked if we saw him in there as a starting quarterback at some point early in the season, if not just to start the season. Well, they do have that flexibility and luxury now. And the other reality is, to the extent the Chargers need stars, Herbert is going to get the chance 
to be that star in L.A. And look at him in his Chargers T-shirt when he was, I don't know, I'd say maybe four years old. His hair got a lot darker as he got older, and it was as glorious then as it is now. And, Chris, I don't know if you saw it. At one point last night, there was a picture of young Justin Herbert in his Joey Harrington jersey. For the Chargers' sake, let's hope the ceiling is higher for Justin Herbert's uh uh, for Justin Herbert than it was for his boyhood idol. So uh, that was fun to see. And Justin's a good kid, and, and I hope it goes well for him. The Chargers need someone long-term to develop into that star player or they're never going to have a chance in the L.A. market. Yeah, well, yes. And, and I think they, they got a quarterback here that's got as much upside as any quarterback in the draft. I mean, he has superstar qualities. He does. When you talk about a guy that big who can move the way he can and then – I mean, don't get it mixed up. This is a laser for a right arm. I mean, a big-time arm. This will be one of the best arms in the NFL from get-go when he steps onto the field. And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, to me, this is a guy that was over-evaluated in the draft process. I, you know, too much made about, oh, he's never left Eugene, Oregon. Oh, he doesn't, you know, he's not a yeller. He's not a rah-rah type leader. You know, those things can be developed. I'm not worried about that. You know, and even the things that I saw in the field that weren't always perfect, you know, I think you put him at LSU or put him at Alabama with some of those offenses and talent around him, his game would have looked a lot smoother last year. So uh, this is a great pick by the Chargers. I mean, this is a big-time quarterback, and I think when they saw him on the board still there at number six, I just don't think they could pass it up. Yep, and uh, three quarterbacks in the first six picks. There's one quarterback that we talked about a little bit, Joe Burrow, the first overall pick, and another one we haven't discussed yet. And that one one created one of the biggest shockers of the night. We'll talk about Joe Burrow and Jordan Love in the first round when PFT Live continues right after Dodgers, I can't believe they did this to you. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick in the draft last night. As expected, the Cincinnati Bengals did not waver, did not hesitate. There's the commissioner making it known that Burrow is the guy properly in a room with just two people. I will say that again. Well done there. And Joe Burrow had this to say on Twitter. He wanted to make sure that no one made fun of him because none of the barbershops are open. Hey, Joe, we're all in that boat. Trust me, Sims needs a haircut. I need a haircut. And my biggest fear at this point, Chris, for a variety of reasons, is giving my wife a pair of scissors and having her get those scissors anywhere in the general vicinity of my jugular vein. Well, there were some people on TV last night that got a haircut. I can tell you that much, all right? So I I don't know. But either way, Joe Burrow, I mean, you know, come on. The man is awesome on the field. Awesome behind the mic when he's off the field. Damn good-looking, handsome, GQ type of guy. He's got it all. He's got some swagger to him. I mean, he really is. That's why he was a slam dunk pick. Mike, I'm just when, – when the combine was over and I talked to friends around the NFL who had met with Joe Burrow, it was just unanimous. It was just, man, what a stud. Man, he's awesome. Holy cow, what a leader. How smart. What, a, what energy. What a great communicator. I mean, it just was one over-the-top praise after another. So often, so consistent that you knew it wasn't bull crap. It was, he was blowing everybody out of the water in his meetings. And, you know, when the film is being blown out of the water and then the meetings are being blown out of the water, 
that's when you have a slam dunk number one pick and uh, good for the Bengals. They got their guy. Is it fair to ask this question in light of what you just said? Why did Ohio State pick Dwayne Haskins over Joe Burrow? Well, Dwayne Haskins has big time talent. Let's not forget that. I mean, he does. He's got a big time arm. You know, he's got size and athletic ability, too. Do I think he's as good as Joe Burrow? No, I don't. But I think that my understanding is some of the politics of recruiting got involved into that, Mike. You know, there was some connections with people that Ohio State and got the recruiting with Dwayne Haskins that I think they didn't want to ruffle feathers there. That's what's always led to my understanding. And, you know, maybe the, the person that led them to Dwayne Haskins is kind of a pipeline that leads them to other guys, and they didn't want to mess that up. That was always my understanding. Ah, Chris Sims breaking some inside college football business news here. I've said it before, but yes. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm just saying the idea yeah. that it causes – that it causes a it potentially a major college power to not pick the best option to lead them to victory, to lead them to championships in order to preserve access to players that a given recruiter is able to deliver. Kind of sad if you're an Ohio State fan, especially since they could have been the team that went 15-0 this year and had the national champion and the Heisman winner in Joe Burrow. All right. Uh, or last year, as the case may be, because uh, he still would have had two more years of eligibility. Mike, way, let me bring this up real it. quick, Mike. One real good point here that, you know, I think is is very real and why these teams might have taken the quarterback and not, not, you know, thought twice about it when they talk about the Chargers, the Bengals, the Dolphins. You know, what if there's no college football next year and you're one of these teams that passed up on a quarterback and said, I'll wait till next year? You know, there's a better chance of NFL football happening, certainly, than college. Yep. There's just so many more colleges, moving parts. I wonder if that played into the thinking of some of these teams going, man, maybe Dexter Lawrence, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't available next year in the draft. Who knows what happens? So let's just get our guy now. I just wonder if that played a part in this. Or if you draft a quarterback next year, you're, it's even more of a crapshoot because you have no 2020 film to go on potentially. Right, you haven't played in 18 guy. months. Right, yeah. and maybe this is why, or one of the reasons why, the Green Bay Packers did the unthinkable. They have drafted, by all appearances, the heir to Aaron Rodgers in trading up four spots to get Utah State quarterback Jordan Love at the bottom of the round. I don't know who they were trying to get in front of because none of the teams in between were likely to take either. him. But, but somebody could have swooped in from round two in one of those spots. I think they were concerned that maybe as they wait for Love to fall to them at 30, someone gets in at 27, 28, 29. Either way, Chris, the stunner of all stunners last night, to me it was even more stunning than the Tua Tonga-Vailoa selection at number five because – uh, Jordan Love coming in while Aaron Rodgers made it clear he wants to play into his 40s. He isn't doing that Brett Favre, will I or won't I retire? That's why they drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005 in round one because they didn't right. know when Brett Favre was going to walk away. Rodgers has made the commitment. I joked last night on Twitter. I just wonder if they saw that photo of Aaron earlier this week looking all old and grizzled and got scared and thought maybe we better get another quarterback. Aaron looks like he's 50. Well, I, I, I mean, listen, I don't even know what to say about this. I, I'm, you know me, Mike. I, I was, I'm a fan of Jordan Love. I like him. You know, I think, you know, he has a ceiling. 
And when he's really on his game and looks good, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. He has a lot of the same mannerisms, the way he throws the football. There's a lot of similarities. I get it. And I know there were some teams in football like me who fell in love with, whoa, man, when this guy is on, it can be special. Now, the problem is it's just all over the place. He is a project. You know, I think he's very raw mentally and physically right now. Wasn't taught a lot of football at Utah State. He's just getting it done with pure ability. And there's inconsistencies with decision-making and even some of the accuracy and throws. But, Mike, I mean, if we took, like, the top four quarterbacks and had a top ten throws, you know, highlight reel, Jordan Love's going to have, like, four of them on that reel out of those quarterbacks because there's some just unreal plays. But I just want to go with Green Bay. Wait, 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 wait. What are we talking about? Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere for four to five years. We're in that era where the quarterback can last forever. Well, I know, you know, and I just sit there and go with Green Bay. I want to go, man, we traded up to get him. I, you know, like you, I'm a little scared there. Maybe they were scared of New England or the Colts trading up. I don't know. And then the other thing I'll say, Mike, is, man, they need to address their defensive line. The 49ers are still running. Nobody's tackled them yet from the NFC Championship game. Most are still going. This is one of the worst run defenses in football. Are they going to get some big people to help their team out? So, yeah, this pissed me off. I don't know what else to say. They pissed me off. I like well, this kid, Jordan Love, but they've hurt my Aaron Rodgers feelings, and I don't like it. And here's the thing. We all know by now that Aaron Rodgers can be a little sensitive. Remember the 60 Minutes piece from several years ago when – they dared to point out that he's so sensitive that he's sensitive about being called sensitive, and he <laughs> called out 60 Minutes for doing it, and 60 Minutes took to, took to social media to say, you just proved our point. Here's the thing. He's very cerebral. He's very smart. I think that he thinks 10 moves ahead on the chessboard, and now he sees that the Packers are thinking 10 moves ahead on the chessboard, and this could eat at him. This could gnaw at him. This could make him not happy in Green Bay. This, I agree. This could be, this could be the thing. Yeah, we we, we they, they knew how to deal with Brett Favre. They wanted Brett Favre to finally go away, so they went to him in February and said, we need to know right now, are you playing in 2008? And they knew that if they asked him then and there to give a commitment or walk away, in February he would walk away. And then they just had to hope that he wouldn't come back, and he did, and they had to deal with it. With Aaron, it's a different psychology. Drafting his successor may be all it takes to just start that trail of dominoes toward Aaron eventually saying, you know what? Tom Brady got to play somewhere else. Peyton Manning got to play somewhere else. Brett Favre got to play somewhere else. Maybe I'd like to play somewhere else. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, uh, who knows where we will see Aaron Rodgers two, three, four years from now, but now it's not about just when do the Packers want to go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is going to start spinning in his mind. No I, doubt. I want to break up with them before they break up with me. No, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it, it almost puts the power in Aaron Rodgers' court a little bit with making this type of move. You know, yeah, he's going to be motivated. He's going to be pissed off. He might throw 38 touchdowns this year and four interceptions and ask for another $10 million per year on his contract. Or might be like, you know what? I've had enough. You got your guy. Trade me. Let's move on. I mean, really, I, I just, um, you know, again, I like Jordan Love. He's a project. I just don't think we're close to the end of the road with Aaron Rodgers yet. To me, you know, again, 
you know, the New England Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo because they saw a slippage in Brady's play. And then he picked it up and they said, okay, see you, Jimmy, you're out of here. You know, Brett Favre, you mentioned it. There was the threat of retiring. Right now, I don't think you could find anybody in football who would argue that Aaron Rodgers is still one of the five best quarterbacks in the league and that it's not going to fall off anytime soon. I mean, maybe he becomes number six next year. I don't know, but he's still going to be able to play at a very high level to where I just sit here and go, you know, are they ever going to get anything out of this pick? Are they, is, what's going to come of it when it's all said and done? And that's going to be, you know, only, only uh, the future will tell us the answers to that. But, yeah, definitely a little peculiar to me. This is going to give us something to talk about once we step into the void of no offseason workouts. But the last thing I want to say for now, and this goes back to the new CBA that was ratified by the players last month. They changed the fifth-year option. Now, look, he's not not a top-ten guy, so it wouldn't have been a ridiculously high price for Jordan Love the fifth-year anyway. But the way they've done the fifth-year option, if you sit him for three years and he never plays, you are going to have the lowest possible price to keep him for that fifth year. So, you know, this may be just a matter of having an insurance policy behind Aaron Rodgers. Let him develop slowly. If he doesn't play the first two or three years, so be it. He'll be cheaper in year five. We control him for five seasons, and then we decide what we're going to do long-term, assuming that at some point – between now and then Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up and say, I want out because I'm telling you, this is going to work on him. It is going to prey on him and is going to poison eventually his relationship with the team. And he is going to want out, write it down. I'm tell- I'm not trying to create drama here. Cause like, yeah, no, cause I, know. I, I just, I, I think that You're just that's connecting based dots on every- of things we've uh, seen for the years, everything we've seen right. for the past 15 years, he falls into you, the man. personality type that this is going to piss him off and it is going to wear on him and it is going to make him just think that they don't want him. So before they make it official that we don't want you, he's going to say, see you later. This is totally to me, I'm going to blank on his name, when John Elway was the quarterback of the Broncos and they drafted the guy. Tommy, this is this this all over again. That's to me what it is. Now, Jordan Love has a higher ceiling than Tommy Maddox. Jordan Love can be a superstar. So, you know, there, there is some, something here to that. But, I, again, I think it's going to be just like Denver. It's going to be, oh, Aaron Rodgers is still here. We're going to have to get rid of Tommy Maddox, and he's going to have to go play somewhere else. And, man, we wasted the 26th pick of the draft on somebody that we never let play a down here on our football team. That, that's what I worry about ultimately with this pick. Interesting days in Green Bay to come. And uh, thank you. Packers for giving us something that we will be talking about for months to come and they knew it they knew that that's how much they liked Jordan Love they don't walk into this blindly they knew that they were lighting this fuse uh and they did it anyway we're going to take a break when we return we thought last night would be a big night for wide receivers we're going to react to who landed where in round one when PFT Live continues right after this Herbert landed in the perfect spot for him and that's the Los Angeles Chargers why is it perfect for him because his agents who he's become very close to are all in Orange County California that is where the um, that's where the headquarters of the Los Angeles Chargers are 
and he became very, very comfortable in that area of the country. Now, just so that you know about Justin Herbert, you know, raised in Eugene, Oregon, played college football in Eugene, Oregon, is a West Coast kid. Not that he would have freaked out going to Miami or going somewhere else, but he really preferred, I believe, to stay on the West Coast, closer to home. Now, the reason why this is a good spot for him right now in a football sense is that Anthony Lynn, the coach of the Chargers, very much wants Tyrod Taylor to take the reins this year and maybe this year plus some after that. There will be zero pressure on on, uh, uh, Justin Herbert to play early for the Chargers, and that's going to be very good for him. I think he's going to need an adjustment period. Vegas set the over-under at 5.5 for receivers taken in round one of the 2020 draft. In the end, there were six. So if you bet the over, congratulations. Uh, Henry Ruggs III was the first one off the board. And it's fitting, right, Chris? Paying homage to the tradition of Al Davis. Taking the fast guy, the 427 and the 40 from Henry Ruggs. We talked about that yesterday. And he told me earlier this week, three teams had been contacting him constantly in the run-up to the draft. The Broncos, the 49ers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And, you know, sometimes... The easiest way to cut through all the smoke, to cut through all the crap, to cut through all the noise is to go straight to the player. And if the player and the player's gonna the player's too young to understand, too naive to realize that it's this broader shell game, right? He's just gonna tell you who he's hurt from. And that's what he yeah. did. And the Raiders moved. And you know what? The fact that he was so candid about it, because you had the Broncos at 15, you had the 49ers at 13, uh, you had the Raiders sitting there at 12. They probably had to take them when they did. Or they may have lost them to one of those two teams. Well, I think that's right. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's the, he was in high demand. So I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. I mean, I think everybody thought he would be one of the first three receivers off the board. We just didn't know which way it was going to go. You know, with my man, John Gruden there, I wasn't sure if he'd fall in love with Ruggs or Jerry Judy. I could see either way because, man, Gruden could love him some straight Al Davis type speed like you talked about. But he loves a route runner like Jerry Rice, too. And Jerry Judy has some of that aspect of his game. But ultimately, you know, he fell in love with the weapon. He's got his Tyree kill now. This is the type of player that that Henry Ruggs is. And it fits, I think, with what the Raiders want to do and how they want to play. Right? They want to run the ball. They're going to pound the rock. With Josh Jacobs, they have a really awesome offensive line. They got a good tight end. They got a good short to intermediate passing game. We shared Derek Carr, great completion percentage. Now you got a guy who can fly deep down the field. That's a good formula, Mike, right? We talk about that with the offenses all the time. Offenses that make you defend the whole field are the hardest offenses to defend. And now with a guy like this is a deep threat and some good intermediate threats in that run game, man, the Raiders are going to be a handful. They're going to be a lot to worry about. Assuming Henry Ruggs works out. You know, this is one of the things about the first night of the draft that always drives me crazy. And I'm not saying that the analysts should spend time pointing out, hey, this guy's really going to stink. I think the only time that's ever happened was with Trev Alberts. Remember that with the guy said, who the hell is Mel Kuyper? That was 20 years ago. You hear (laughs) great things about every pick. No one ever says during the first round of the draft, you know, 
history tells us half these guys are going to stink, right? And history tells us that the receivers who run really fast at the scouting combine more often than not yeah, don't work out you. at the next level, right? So that's that's part of the risk you assume when you get smitten with that straight line speed, the 427 that Henry Ruggs the third ran. And how about this? Three Alabama guys in that top 15, his quarterback, her a quarterback and his two receivers, Tua Tagovailoa, Henry Ruggs, and then Jerry Judy at number 15 to the Denver Broncos. Supposedly the guy the Broncos wanted all along, maybe Henry Ruggs was the fallback if Judy was gone before the Broncos got to number 15. Either way, they got the guy that there were rumors they were going to try to trade up to get. Judy lands with them right at number 15, and they have now a compliment to go along with Cortland Sutton. They've got an offense that is really coming alive with Drew Locke at quarterback, Noah Fant at tight end, Melvin Gordon at running back. You still got Phillip Lindsay in the mix. You know, so you, you either fight the Chiefs with a beefed up defense or you fight the Chiefs, Chris, with a beefed up offense and you try to right. win a track meet. And and that may be what both the Raiders and the Broncos and to a certain extent the Chargers by picking a quarterback were thinking in round one last night. Well, definitely. You know, and, and listen, I, I mean, a uh, great pick by the Denver Broncos. I mean, yes, I know Jerry Judy was not my favorite pick in the draft, but still an awesome football player. A guy that I certainly think is capable of having 90, 100, 110 receptions in a season. And... You know, again, it's about fit, and he really fits the Denver Broncos. You know, uh, here's a route runner. You got Sutton to be Sutton to be the deep guy down the field, the back shoulder one on one. I'm big, and you can't guard me. And now you got Judy to run all the intricate routes. Let alone with Noah Fan and the and the running backs you talked about, Mike. I mean, Denver is one of those teams right now that I'm I'm circling early on because the defense is already real. You know, they didn't need to spend a whole lot of assets on that side of the, the ball. You know, you talk about Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and Jarrell Casey, and they got some other defensive players on the on the front seven who are impressive and kind of upcoming. A.J. Bouye is there. Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties in all of football. I mean, this is really turning into a well-rounded football team who, you know, I, I think is going to be a force in the AFC now with with this type of talent. And, you know, it's funny, a week ago we were debating the question of whether you would take the Chiefs roster or a roster of the best players from the other three teams in the division. The pendulum may have swung now the other <laughs> more on the draft, right? right? Not a little more because Peter King and I both were going to take the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes. And we still don't know who the quarterback of this hybrid Raiders-Broncos-Chargers team would be. But, but. They beefed up the other three teams last night in round one, Chris. Yeah, they definitely did. There's a lot of talent. Mike, the West, I think, rules in both conferences right now. You know, I just look at the AFC West, and I think, you know, there's a lot of teams on the rise there. I mean, of course, the Chargers were 12-4 and only two years ago, so let's not forget that. There's a lot of talent on that team. You know, the Broncos are building something. The Raiders are close, and we saw them lose some close games last year, too. So, uh, I think the AFC West and the competition level, they're going to be more of a pain in the butt for the Chiefs. Chiefs are still the king, but, man, that's that's going to be some tough-fought division. The NFC East also picked up a couple of receivers in round one. C.D. Lamb, the Oklahoma wideout, fell all the way into the Cowboys' clutches at number 17. I still feel like Jerry Jones is trying to make up for passing on Randy Moss 22 years later. But when a guy like C.D. Lamb is there at 17, Chris, you got to take him. You got to. You know, I, you know I, I don't know what happened here. 
You know, I'm so, I'm shocked that, that John Gruden didn't take C.D. Lamb. You know, I, I would have thought the Raiders probably wouldn't even expect C.D. Lamb to still be on the board and that they would go with him. But C.D. Lamb, to me, was the slam dunk best receiver in the draft. There's just nothing he can't do. Size, route running, 50-50 catches, the best with his the ball in his hand, and it's not even close. You know, so now, man, Dallas, with that offensive line and Amari Cooper – and Dak Prescott, and of course Ezekiel Elliott, and C.D. Lamb to go with it. I mean, that that's just unbelievable. The fact that they got him at number seventeen is unreal. And you know, I I heard or saw a quote from Jerry Jones. You know, I think they wanted to trade down, but I don't think they expected that guy to be on the board still when he was there. So you just don't pass up C.D. Lamb, an Oklahoma guy. This makes too much sense for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun to see it happen. As it got closer and closer to number 17, I thought, uh-oh, they're going to take C.D. Lamb. They're probably going to put him in number 88 as well. Jalen Rieger went to the Philadelphia Eagles. Justin Jefferson to the Vikings. And Brandon Ayuk at number 25 to the San Francisco I don't 49ers. get the Jalen Rieger the one, need. Mike. That'll be one with the, out of all the receiver picks in the first round. I, I will scratch my head there with Jalen Rieger. You know, the, the, the rumor around the NFL was that Howie Roseman was loved, loved Jalen Rieger. And I can tell you just from everybody I know, and not that I've talked to all 32 teams, but this is about the only guy I heard that even considered Jalen Rieger as a first round talent. So I got question marks. They're going to have to prove this one to me. Uh, you know, I'm not to see it to believe it. Howie Roseman explained it after the fact by saying that Rieger fits Carson Wentz's skill set. That's why they locked on to Jalen Rieger. And this is all about having the help around the quarterback that gets the most out of the investment they've made, both by trading up four years ago to make Carson Wentz the second overall pick and by paying him like they did last year. So that's why, hey, right, wrong, or otherwise, we're going to find out. Remember, half these guys are going to end up being busts, and maybe it will be Jalen Rieger on that bust list, or who knows, maybe he's going to bust out in a big way. Let's take a maybe. break. When we return, we'll play a game of fill-in-the-blank right here on this Friday edition of PFT Live. All right, some of the setups last night. As Sims likes to say, can't hide money. My gosh, if I was Cliff Kingsbury, I would never leave the house, including during football season. I would just retire and stay there. Awesome stuff from him. We had some other great setups last night as well. Uh, and uh, it, it was fun. It was fun to get a glimpse inside the homes of these folks. Uh, so we're going to play fill in the blank, and we're going to start right there. Without a doubt, blank had the best remote draft setup of the night, Chris, who you got? Well, no, I, I mean, my pick would be Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, come on. that That's ridiculous right there. That's just so plush. It doesn't even look like a house. It's like a museum. So that was beautiful. To me, it was between Cliff Kingsbury or Jerry Jones. You know, I'm just into clean and rich. All right. I like clean and rich and those both look clean and rich. And I don't know, Jerry, I wondered, was he on his boat or is that his living room? But Man, that's just a beautiful couch. I mean, he's got a screen in the background. I don't know. He's got a lot of bunch of expensive lighting. I mean, that I'd like to sit and hang out right there. That looks very comfortable. Yeah, he was supposed to be alone. His daughter, Charlotte Jones Anderson, to the right there. So, uh, But Stephen wasn't there to keep him from taking C.D. Lamb with pick number 17, although for all we know, Stephen was fully on board with it. For me, the best setup was Bruce Arians. Because Bruce Arians was outside. He was out on a patio. And, you know, you couldn't quite tell from the angle of the camera. But 
I, I'm I, I'm suspecting that he had a brown liquid with ice and uh, you know maybe some soda in there or at least some water or something. But uh, he was he was uh, he was enjoying life last night as he always does. But I thought it was great that they had a setup outside and also the the Sean Payton uh, with the unapproved snacks on the table and the unapproved wow. soda and non NFL sponsors gutsy move gutsy move gutsy by move. Sean Payton. I like he that. Had Let's some get cool through a couple of these. On too, so that was cool. I mean, yes, but he my son pointed food. that out. Yeah, my son yeah, pointed sure out he that did. he had the Jordans <laughs> on, but they're the, they're not those Jordans you play basketball in. They're the performance Jordans or something like that. I don't know. He went off on a whole three minute thing about the the whole Jordan etiquette uh, once he saw Sean Payton's <laughs> shoes. All right. right, blank made the smartest pick of the first round quickly. All right, I'm going to go with the 49ers and pick 13. You know, again, I know I sound like I'm a homer. Yeah, I like my buddy Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I mean, yeah, John Lynch is a friend and an ex-teammate, but I just think that was a, a, a brilliant pick. I think when you add in the logic of they traded DeForest Buckner away to get that pick and then basically got a guy that I think is more talented than DeForest Buckner was coming out in the NFL draft, you know, five years ago. I mean, Kinlaw... The 49ers are right back in the conversation of, whoa, this is the best defensive line in football again. Like, no doubt about it. You know, he is a beast, this kid. You saw in the telecast last night that they said Richard Seymour. He was the guy that I compared him to in my podcast. He is a special, special football player. The fact that he was there at 13, uh, I thought was a great pick for the 49ers. And they didn't take the cheese until C.D. Lamb. They went with the big defensive tackle. And I'm still going to say the smartest pick of the night was Joe Burrow. We haven't talked enough about that, but I think the guy is as close to a can't miss as we've seen at the quarterback position from the standpoint of everything he can do, leadership skill set, and he's exactly what the Bengals need at this time. So I can't wait to find out what they turned down from the Dolphins to hold firm there. But uh, I think they did the right thing, and I think he's going to transform that franchise, and they desperately need it. Let's take a break. When we return, the Chiefs with the last pick in round one did something that – that made Chris and me look like not idiots for a change. We'll explain that next here on PFT Live. The rich get richer offensively in Kansas City. They already have the quarterback, as we know. They've got the receivers, as we know. They've got the tight end, as we know. Now they've got the running back. Just a week ago, we were speculating on the possibility it wasn't even a week ago. It was Monday talking about Leonard Fournette being a possible trade candidate for the Chiefs, underscoring the fact, Chris, that they need help at running back. They got it last night at pick 32. Your top running back, their top running back, the first running back taken, the only running back taken last night, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire of LSU. Both of us in our mock drafts had him at 32 to the Chiefs. It was one of those picks that almost made too much sense to happen. And I think they were exposed to getting leapfrogged and have someone else take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire before they could at number 32. But that's not what happened. They have him. And, man, uh, maybe some balance in the offense, maybe another weapon in the passing game, but uh, a good move by the Chiefs. An amazing move. You know, again, yeah, they, they got an area of their football team that's so great that it's going to have to change the way teams play them. And they're going to be able to put tremendous pressure on you. You know, like, you know, again, Mike, it goes back to, Defending the whole field, certainly going to have a better running game with this guy. But when you got Kelsey working the middle of the field and Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill deep, and now you got this guy underneath who's going to be in the in the conversation for one of the quickest players in football, it's a phenomenal pick. And that's why I love the Chiefs. 
They kind of have like, oh, yeah, nobody takes running backs in the first round. Screw you. We know what we need for our football team. We'll do what we got to do. Uh, great pick here. Knocked it out of the park. And remember, 498 rushing yards for Damian Williams last year for the Chiefs. That led the team, and he had 90 of them on one play. This upgrades the running attack tremendously. We'll be back with more right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.